You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Oh, and welcome back, listeners, to episode 22 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. It's been a while since I've been able to say that on air, and, and we're really excited to be back. Uh, NFL offseason's here. Um, you know what that means. We got free agent talk. We got draft talk, all the offseason news and rumors. But as always, I am your host, Michael Hardwick, joined by my brother, Robert. Hey. We're here in the Your Name Here studios. Again, episode 22, we're back. Hope to be bringing you more regular content here with the offseason's on. You know, and I think the first thing we just want to talk, kind of talk about was overall reactions last year, COVID, NFL season. You know, we, we know how it ended with the Bucs winning the Super Bowl. I think a little bit of a surprise, what we thought would have been maybe a, a tougher year for them with, with a new quarterback and the changes, but it all worked out with them winning. What was your overall reaction of the season? Yeah, it just shows that Tom Brady's the GOAT. I mean, can move on from other teams. They kind of looked, you know, a little rough the first half of the season. Really got things rolling at the end. Lost to the Saints twice there in the regular season. So you thought, was it going to happen a third time in the playoffs? But I'm just so happy that there was a full season. The way things started with coronavirus, if if you would if if you would have asked me to bet on it, I didn't think they'd make it through a full season. But it was a great one. You know, and now here we are. We're sitting now. You know, less than two months away from the NFL draft. You know, just over a month away. You know, from the NFL draft, and and we're just a week out of free agency, a week and a half out from free agency. But we are still seeing the impact of COVID really on the NFL. No combine, which for us, that's something we love to watch every year is, is the combine. That's not happening. We're seeing salary cap issues. Uh, you know, teams are they're, they're cutting the, the cap for teams. So you have the teams that were really bad in the hole are really bad in the hole. <laughs> Eagles. What else do you notice really from the, the NFL still with the COVID impact, like with free agency coming up, for example? Yeah, it's just going to be more that the free agents aren't going to be able to go visit these places. I mean, we see Texas opening up now and a couple of the, these other states. So maybe they have an advantage in getting the free agents in there. But especially when you go to do your health assessments of players and kind of see injury reports, are you going to be missing out? We saw that last year with Tua. You know, they're not able to get in and really see these players and see are there other hip issues, knee issues, things that are going to deter you from drafting these players or signing these players. What's it going to be like come, you know, we're in March now, April. What's it going to be like within the next two months? No, I don't really want to break off on a tangent. We'll kind of lay out like what our schedule is going to be here going forward a little bit. But how do you think, you know, we, we saw quite a few players sit out this year in college football, for example. You know, you you saw Jamar Chase sit out. You know, you saw Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech sit out as well. Trey, you know, Trey Lance only had one game this year. Players like that. What do you think that I think, you know, the pro days are going to become more important than ever. And these pro days are limited even. And without a combine, do you see the draft maybe? And we'll talk about this in later episodes. But do you see the draft taking a turn where it's those players who have more of a body of work and those players who got to play this year? Do you see them taking a little higher than maybe a like, let's say, for example, a Devontae Smith versus Jamar Chase? That's going to be a debate. That we'll have going forward. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being a body of work type thing. Uh, I, I really think do. I mean, we'll have mock drafts in the future, but Devonte Smith. Do you take a guy who's willing to go out there? His last year over Jamar Chase, and I know he lost Joe Burrow, 
So it was going to hurt him ultimately. But you look at people like Micah Parsons, okay? Yep. A great, great player. One. You're hearing some character issues. But was that last year, if he was going to play this year, really going to help solidify him as maybe a, you know, even top five player? You talk about him maybe dropping into past, you know, the 15 to 20 range in there. You look at people like Trey Lance at North Dakota State. Um, he played one game this year. It didn't really prove much, didn't show much, but you wouldn't expect it to only having one game to prove it compared to people like Mac Jones who come out this last year, win a national championship with Alabama. Do you take a guy like that over a Trey Lance? Yeah, I think that's going to be you know a talking point that we'll have to we'll have to discuss is you get a guy that really just had this one great season where everybody got to watch where, where people could really have that tape or do you go for a guy that we've talked about with upside like Trey Lance? That'll be a discussion we'll have leading up here to the draft. At, really for this episode today, you know, we just wanted to get back, get talking with the listeners. But this is going to be a free agent heavy episode. It's not going to be a super long one, but we're going to talk free agency as we have free agency starting here. I think legal tampering period, which I always love that that term, legal tampering. Um starting i think march 15th or so so we already saw jj watt sign and, and that's the thing we've kind of had to adjust what we have going on over the last couple of days i mean we were hoping to get this done a week or two ago but now we are here jj watt signed already kind of a surprising spot but we have a top 25 here that we think you know within the next couple of weeks we'll really start to solidify where they're going to go and you know with that way we saw kawan short i believe he's rumored to be signing with the cowboys tyro williams already the lions which uh, we can talk about the impact later um, but yeah, J.J. Watt to the Cardinals, I think a surprise move a little bit. Um, but I think really that division just keeps getting better um, and better. Now, before we really dive in, I just want to point out too, with how COVID's impacted, you know, with cap hits and, and, and the salary issue, I think this, you know, later this week, but really I, I would say starting next week before free agency starts, you're going to be seeing some surprise players cut, some veterans. Um, we just saw Kyle Van Noy getting cut from the Dolphins. You're going to see some players cut. The free agency pool is going to grow here. So the people we talk about, it could drastically change come next episode. Yeah, and you see like Kyle Rudolph getting let go by the Vikings. I mean, been there, what, 10, 11 years now? He had kind of been, you know, the solid piece on that offense that had been ever-changing, trying to find that. So like Michael said, there's going to be a lot of ever-changing pieces going on in the next two weeks. Yeah, and so before we get into our free agency breakdown, I wanted to just do the where we were right and where we were wrong from last season. Um, this is something Robert has not seen yet that nope. I put together. This is just, it was our picks for the playoffs, who we thought, you know, out of the NFC, out of the AFC, and then who we thought was going to win the Super Bowl, and then our picks for the player awards. I'm, MVPs, sure, I, I'm sure I had yeah. the Bucks, right? Yeah, no, we neither, <laughs> neither of us had the Bucks, but I will let you, the listeners, and you, the fans, really decide who you thought had a better prediction year. Um, I can say... It's pretty. It's gonna be easy to to, to pick, um, but we'll just start first. We're gonna start at the playoffs and how we broke it out. So again, Robert hasn't seen this, um, and I don't think know if he can completely remember is what we picked. But Absolutely not. Out of the, we'll start with the AFC, and and to start, we had the division winners out of the AFC being the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans, and the Bills. Now is that fifty percent on things? Generally, I would I would be pretty pleased with those. All all those teams made the playoffs. Bills won their division. Chiefs won their division. Uh, Titans also won their division. Oh, and and Ravens, of course, they kind of snuck their way into the playoff as a wild card. Um, but then we look at the wild card teams that we picked for the three wild card were the Steelers, uh, the Colts, and the Patriots. So the biggest one though that we really really missed on were the Patriots, and that would have been the Browns. In there. that's Cam Newton's fault. 
So yeah, it's, it's not on us. I mean, we, we did our job, but I thought overall AFC wise, we did really, really well. Um, what we ended up having selected was an AFC championship game of the chiefs and the Steelers. And for the longest time, I thought we had, we had nailed that one with the, with the Steelers, you know, going on that incredible undefeated run, but then just dropping off the face of the earth. Then they started playing above 500 teams. Yeah. So to me, I thought we had, we had done well with the, the Steelers pick. Ultimately we had chosen the chiefs to beat the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. So we did well there, but again, that's not a hard pick. I think probably 90% of the people had the Chiefs probably coming out of the AFC. I was proud of us, though, with, with seeing what the Bills were going to do, um, seeing their kind of blow up this year, um, and, and then and also picking the Steelers to have a kind of a bounce back year for the year before when they – I mean, obviously Ben was out that prior year. But overall, you know, we missed the Browns kind of uh, emerging in the playoffs. But overall, I was happy with the AFC. Do you have any other thoughts on the AFC? No, I think, I think the AFC in terms of the two division were probably the easiest to kind of guess for your playoffs – you look at kind of who are the star quarterbacks in that, you know, conference, and they're going to lead those teams. The Buffalo Bills, for me, were the toughest ones just because I didn't know if Josh Allen was going to take that step forward. But when you lose Tom Brady with the Patriots, the Dolphins were a little bit uncertain, and the Jets are the Jets. I mean, you kind of had to go out on a limb there. But for me, that was the most worrisome team. Yep, I agree. Now we'll move on to the NFC, and, and this is where it kind of gets a little interesting Number one seed we had out of the NFC was the New Orleans Saints. Now, I think a lot of people, you know, they they had one of the best overall rosters this year. I think a little bit with the the regression of Drew Brees and some injuries, you know, Michael Thomas not playing for most of the season really, really impacted that. But again, we got a playoff team there. Our number two seed was the Seahawks. So you're talking a 12 and four team, I believe they were. Um, Another playoff team. So we hit that one right. Um, then we had the Packers at number three. So those top three are kind of interchangeable there, what yep. we found out at the end of the year. Yeah, so Packers, although getting the number one seed, we had them at number three winning the division. Um, let's see here. And then we had the Cowboys winning the division out of the NFC East. And again, I think, you know, and you might agree with me, absent the DAC injury, probably I think we're we're probably going on the on the way to win the NFC East. Well, you got to remember, I mean, it didn't take much to win the NFC East, as you know, as an Eagles fan. Dak didn't start out great. What was he, 0-3, 0-4 before he got hurt? So I'm kind of putting this on Andy Dalton here. Um, and the, the wild card teams that we had here picked, we did have the Eagles making the wild card team, the last wild card spot. Uh, that pain, pains me to say, but that did not work out. They, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, they now have the sixth pick. So we were completely wrong there. We did have the Vikings making it as the second wild card. Um, they kind of turned it on later in the year. But with all those injuries, some holdouts, like they just – they got a lot of young players is what we saw, you know, with that defense here. A lot of you guys are probably Vikings fans. That defense was probably the youngest in the league. I mean, coming into it with Zimmer's offense, it's going to take a while to learn. You kind of saw at the end of the year where it started to flip a little bit. Those cornerbacks got better, but the offense couldn't really carry that team to a good record the first and part of the season. boy, oh boy, Justin Jefferson. I mean, the consolation prize of a bad year, really, uh, the prior year would be the Eagles not taking Jefferson, you get Jefferson, and then you're able to showcase what he could do. I mean, dang, he's 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 a great player. Plus, you lose the coach of the year, and it's Kevin Stefanski yeah. as your offensive coordinator. That's it's going to be a big hit. But I think next year we'll probably be talking about them as a borderline playoff team. Yeah, and we'll talk more about these players in the future and stuff. But I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be excited with Randy Moss 2.0. Um, and then the last thing that we that we had we had the Bucks as a wild card team, so we did at least, but we were a little bit. They were a wild card team. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> although we were very worried about the addition of new players in a year of COVID, um, Brady proved us all wrong, and, and us I, wrong again. And I think I speak for Michael too. The Bucks issue wasn't necessarily 
you know, is that offense going to be good? We knew it was going to be with all the weapons they had. It was what was that defense going to do? And in the games that they lost, that defense really struggled at times. That secondary got really beat up against the Chiefs the first time we saw him. Tyreek, I mean, almost set NFL net for records. By halftime, he was yeah. set records. But, I mean, that defense really turned it on in the playoffs. We saw when they needed to, especially the Super Bowl against Mahomes. Yeah, so what we ultimately had, we split on this. You and I both thought the Seahawks were going to make the NFC Championship game, so that we we agreed on. But you had chosen the Saints versus the Seahawks for the NFC Championship, and I chose the Packers versus the Seahawks for the NFC Championship game. Ultimately, we both picked the Seahawks uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So there, we were wrong on that one. You know, a team that started out as hot as they did really, really just fell apart down the stretch. And we'll we'll talk about teams later on in future episodes. But again, I don't understand that Seahawks core. They again, they the same as the Steelers. You start out fire hot. You got great great wide receivers in Metcalf. Why why do you fall off the way you did? And I get it's defensively, but to not be able to carry yourself to an NFC championship game and the way the future is looking right now, I'm, I just don't understand what's going on with that organization. Yeah, and ultimately we picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl um, between the Chiefs and the Seahawks, so we were wrong. Uh, but there, that's a kind of our, our recap on the playoffs. Um, but really this is going to be the interesting one that you have yet to see. Yeah, ESPN pay us millions of dollars a year to be wrong, just like every other analyst. Yep. So. yep. So here we we you know we have an episode where we discussed who we thought were going to win MVP, offensive player of the year, de- defensive player of the year, and then rookies of the year. Um, we did have a discussion here. Like let's we're going to start with defensive rookie of the year. We both kind of said, outside of Chase Young, who do we think is going to win rookie of the year? We really believed your Chase Youngs, your Jeffrey Okudas, the guys who were the top of that draft really like had they were already betting favorites to be defensive rookie of the year so we were kind of going a little out yeah, on that chase young was just a man you know among boys in college so yep. we knew once he got into the league that it wasn't going to change and he was probably going to win but we had to go outside of the box for entertainment purpose so ultimately and i did mention in that episode that i thought that how many mouths they have to feed on the defensive line could be a little bit of an issue for him to just get total sacks but i mean ultimately he proved us wrong that he's he one he, of the best he, yeah, became a captain his first year. I mean, yep. he's just – he's taking control of that team. So, again, you the fan, you the listener, why don't you let us know what you thought about our picks here coming up and who you thought was the better predictor well, let's of start last with, season. Let's start with this since I don't know. Who did I pick in this? Robert, you picked Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals as defensive rookie of the year, well, a guy who – Struggled out of the gate a little bit, but really kind of started coming on late. Now is, is, is he a twenty twenty one rookie with JJ Watt there? I mean, he may have a chance for a yeah. bunch of tackles and interceptions. Could, and- could be. Now my my defensive rookie of the year is also a linebacker, Kenneth Murray, from the Los Angeles did, Chargers. Did we hear his name this year? Yeah, Kenneth Murray did not have the start that we had <laughs> had hoped for at the Chargers. I thought everything was really lining up for him to already be on a good defense and rack up those tackles, get some sacks. Um, ultimately, I think some injuries plagued him, but overall he just didn't, you know, he didn't really perform as we expected as a rookie, which hopefully next year he takes a jump because he was a player you and I both really Yeah, liked. and I think that team's just trying to find their identity on defense right now. You kind of see it with, you know, new coaches coming in, which we're going to talk about here in the future. But I think he's going to find his way on the field, and I think he's going to be really good for a long time. Yep. Now for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I – had Cam Akers, a guy who I really, really thought was going to get the touches that we saw at the end of the year earlier, and we saw what he can do at the end of the season. 
could have put him in that category for rookie of the year. Yeah, he may but, have won it for the last quarter of the year. Unfortunately, you know, he just didn't get the touches. And I think looking forward for your dynasty leagues or whatever it might be, Cam Akers, uh, really, we saw at the end of the year, could be very, very good, especially with the addition of Matt Stafford. Yeah, and let's offense. talk about who has him in the dynasty league. I think it's Yeah, you have me. him in the dynasty but league. But you're absolutely right. I mean, once he got the carries, and especially behind that offensive line, he just kind of took control of that offense. And you have CeeDee Lamb. As the offensive rookie of the year, um, I thought you know that was a great pick. He did have a really really good rookie year. You know, not quite what Justin Jefferson was, um, but I really do think C.D. Lamb showed out that he's going to be one of the best young wide receivers in football. Absolutely, so that was a good pick. Um, unfortunately, he's not just, Justin Jefferson, or, and he's not Joe Burrow, and he's not Justin Herbert. You know, like yeah. I, again, we can have the discussion separately, but I think Robert and I are both in agreement. Like Justin Herbert, great rookie year, loved him. But when you have a guy in Justin Jefferson who's breaking Randy Moss historical records, that's your offensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. No, t- not taken away from Justin Herbert by any means, but that's just, I think, when we look at it, we would have loved to see Herbert win that one. Now to Defensive Player of the Year. You got so close on this one. Um, I felt good about it, too. And I remember who I took. You haven't told me, but I remember. And we're not going to go over it yet. We're going to go over my Defensive Player of the Year. I almost selected Daniil Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings. Now he didn't even see a field. He didn't even step on the dang field, but I really still feel if he was on the field for what that team, you know, lacked with overall defensive players, he really was going to get his totals. He may have one player off the field. There you go. And I think next year, again, we're going to see a big year from Daniel Hunter. I did ultimately choose Chandler Jones, a guy who wasn't even on the field again. He (laughs) took the injury, but I just felt back to back 20 sack seasons now, I'm really excited to see what he can do this year with J.J. Watt. He may be another pick here, like you say, for this next season. Yep. He may be a favorite coming yeah. on. He's one of my favorite players in the league, one of the most underrated players, so I really wanted to give some love there. But you chose Devin White. So close. From the Tampa Bay Bucks. We just mentioned you know, early in the episode, but Devin White, who at, at multiple times was the best player on that field for that Bucks team, um, and who I think you know we could have this conversation in later episodes, who the best linebacker in football is. With Bobby Wagner, him, Darius Leonard, Fred Warner, like he's right there as the best linebacker in the league. And I think we talked about it during this episode. I'd have to go back and listen. But it was uh, you got to watch out for him. And I think you saw in the Super Bowl, even if that's all you watched to the Buccaneers, is, you know, anytime somebody touches the ball, he's on the ball. Oh. And both of those linebackers are. We're going to talk about the other one here coming up. But it, it, you don't see linebackers like that move anymore, like the Ray Lewis type of style. If somebody touches the ball, who's on the ground with them? And it's Devin White. Yeah, I would not want to be a running back going up against Devin White or receiver across the middle of the field. Now, the Offensive Player of the Year, you chose the Minnesota Viking in Dalvin Cook. Did for I win? Offensive Player of the Year. Did not win. But again, we saw Dalvin Cook year after year is going to show as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in that conversation. Yeah, and my only concern with him, and we'll talk about this again, you know, for next season is injuries. But he made it through the season, you know, for the most part, without major injury. When you're that much of a focal point to a team's success, you're going to be in that conversation um, year after year. I had a different running back, um, and I had Josh Jacobs. Now, when he started out the year, he started week one, you know, 100 total yards and three touchdowns. I was like, boy, I, I crushed that one, you know, with all the volume he was going to get. But again, due to injuries and and lack of O-line, you know, success that with, with people in and out of that team, 
that's just another one who never really lived up to what he was supposed to be this year. And, and you're in such a tough division with Patrick Mahomes, you see Justin Herbert, that I think the Raiders get down so often, you know, that they're not able to establish a run game, keep going with Josh Jacobs. But you're exactly right. If he was on that sort of offense, you know, that these other guys are, that he could be MVP type caliber running back. Now, for our MVP, we both chose two MVPs. We chose one that was a little bit outside the box and then our more realistic MVP. Aaron Rodgers. So my outside-the-box MVP, I'm very happy. Josh Allen. I'm very happy with that pick. I saw, pick. I saw him kind of coming up this year. If that team succeeded, that meant he was going to have to carry them, which he did. I think Josh Allen in the future really might get an MVP. Hopefully he doesn't have a Wentz-type career where he had this big blow-up close to being – you know, an MVP and then suffer an injury for how much he runs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's one or two years away. I mean, I I think the whole country kind of fell in love with him and that offense, Stephon Diggs. So I think he's very close at an MVP. And then my, my MVP choice was Russell Wilson. Again, halfway through the season, we thought for a guy who had never received votes, it was his time with, the, with, with how well he was playing with the receivers around him, how much they were throwing the ball. The way the media talked about yeah. him, it was all but given within the first yeah. eight weeks. And – as we as we saw it fell apart and it quickly dissolved and he was he was no longer the favorite. So those are my choices. I didn't do very well. But Robert, your outside the box MVP was Kyler Murray. Now a guy who I think continually to go forward, he's going to always be in that kind of conversation, uh, especially as just one of the best young and electric running or wide receiver quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I texted you all the way up until that Hale Murray, you know. Of I made a really good choice, really good choice, really good choice, and then the second half of the season it really fell off. He kind of looked like, are you are you going to be the future of that? We'll talk about what the Cardinals should do, you know, in the future with maybe Deshaun Watson out there, Texans fans. But I felt really good about it the first about four weeks. Ultimately, your MVP choice was Aaron Rodgers. Well, so if you, you nailed that one on the head. Yeah, if you if you piss him off enough and draft quarterbacks behind him, you'll get you know. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time ultimately fell short of a Super Bowl, but definitely had a career best year. So that's where we were right and we were wrong on the NFL season uh, last year. Um, hopefully our predictions, you know, hopefully I can improve mine going into this next season. Uh, but before we hit on the free agents here, we want to talk about just a few of the changes that have happened in the offseason. That's with the coaches. You know, the teams really, that's where you see the biggest changes in success. Kevin Stefanski coming to the Browns. You went from a, an under 500 team to a playoff team with the addition of Kevin Stefanski. There were seven new head coaches this year. We didn't want to get into all the offensive coordinator changes and defensive coordinator changes, but really the head coach changes, there were seven of them. We want to, we want to rank them and how we think these, these coaches are going to do. I also have a quick game to play with this, but we'll start with our number seven coach. That's David Coley from the Texans, you know, coming over from the Ravens like he is to the Texans. My biggest reason of bringing him at number seven, it's nothing to do with him as a whole. It's just when you need to try to keep Deshaun Watson and you don't bring in a guy that was rumored that he would have liked, like an Eric Bieniemy, you know, or a Todd Bowles potentially even, you just are, are outing some of your most talented players. And I think that is just – that team's just not set up for success when, you, when you're losing star players like they are. Yeah, I have no concern with him being a coach. My only thing is with the Texas organizations, you heard rumors that they were going to release him anyways, you know, as a coach and things like that. So I, I just don't understand the process that went through it. But the organization in whole is just kind of struggling right now. So the game I just want to play over-under. Over-under three years for these coaches. Under. Under. Un, un, I, I think he's a one-year coach. I think he's just moving on to what the next best thing is. All right. Number six, 
we have Nick Sirianni, the new head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, based off of his press conference, I'm going to give it one year. But really, ultimately, I, I'm not mad with the hire. Um, I, I, I think we just have to let things play out. I think as long as you have a GM and Howie Roseman who's there, who's really hurting your player development and your, and your overall roster structure, being $50 million under the cap you know, this year, what you're not going to succeed as a head coach until you have a GM that allows you to succeed. Yeah. You know more about it than I do. I mean, following all this stuff, I go under, I have them one year, two years at max. I think, you know, the GM, everybody that's cleared out this last year, I just don't see them gaining any more wins than what they have. And so I think they move on and find the coach of their choice. I'm I'm going to go over. I think he's going to make it, you know, even with Chip Kelly, they gave him close to, you know, three, four years. So I think for me, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Nick Sirianni four years there. Uh, but again, it's all going to start with that quarterback for, and, for them. And I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to coaching. Um, number five, we have Arthur Smith at the Falcons. Now, I liked Arthur Smith where he was at the Titans. The only problem I have with him moving over to the Falcons is that team, you know, you don't have the running back like Derrick Henry. And I think you're going to find out, is it Derrick Henry that made Arthur Smith or did Arthur Smith really contribute to Derrick Henry's success there? Yeah, and my only argument is they have the wide receiver weapons to really, you know, make up for those types of things. I, I definitely go with the over. I see him being there for quite a while because it's definitely an offensive-driven league right now. So as long as he can keep that up, we'll talk about what our drafts are in the future. I see him maybe moving on from Matt Ryan. So connecting him with a quarterback really keeps him around for quite a while. And kind of for that reason, I'm going on the under. I think about two years for him. I think this year they get Matt Ryan, maybe hover that like classic seven-win team. But then they're going to move on from Matt Ryan. And in that second year without Matt Ryan, they could struggle depending on who that quarterback is. Number three, we have Dan Campbell at the Lions. Now this one, he got us. Oh, sorry, number four, Brandon Staley, who's at the LA Chargers. Coming over from the Rams as defensive coordinator, a little bit of an interesting hire, but personally, I like what he's brought to the teams he's been on, uh, the people he's been around. Um, and I think he he's really, uh, he put the right people around him there at the Chargers to help Justin Herbert succeed. Yeah, I really questioned this at first. I thought maybe an Eric Bieniemy, even an Arthur Smith, like we talked about, to really mesh with, you know, Justin Herbert going forward. I think what the Chargers are banking on is that Justin Herbert is the elite type of quarterback that can carry an offense without having to have ultimate instruction and bringing a defensive guy in to solidify that for the future. As much as it hurts me, I'm going to say the over on it. I also think the over on it too, and that's mainly just hoping that Justin Herbert succeeds as well. So now to number three, Dan Campbell coming over uh, from the Saints to the Lions. Now this one's just one based up purely off of energy, a uh, motivator, a leader, and trying to build culture. He's given a six-year deal, which, you know, they got a new GM structure there. And I think just as, as ownership, really, they're trying to be more patient, setting a culture there. They're, they want to just, just have one of those – Trying to build somewhat of a dynasty, of course, but like we're trying to do it with the right way with the right people. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna say under right off the bat. Jared Goff's there. They're not gonna mesh with what happens with personality there. So I think Jared Goff Goff will move on. Ultimately, I think he finds his way out of the league. But when they bring in a quarterback, I think it's gonna end up being a new co or a coach with it. But I just think. You know, he's throwing out Lion King references, all these sorts of things, you know, within the media. I think ultimately he says something he shouldn't. And I think it kind of rubs players the wrong way. And so I think ultimately they got to find somebody to come in to be a more professional presence. And brings us to number two. We have Urban Meyer coming out of retirement again, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think we're both going to agree on this one that it's probably going to be an over just because of the trajectory they're at, the amount of cap space they have, the roster in place. And the fact that Trevor Lawrence is most likely going to be that pick 
Yeah, I'll I'll talk on it. I mean, there's a lot of people that love the Urban Meyer hire. If if I were to rank it and it was just me, I'd put it at seven as a hire. All he did was jump into the league trying to be successful based off of Trevor Lawrence coming in. I don't like Urban Meyer. I think the second he feels like he's struggling, there'll be another health concern. He'll leave the Jaguars. I feel like he could have found an assistant coach, not necessarily an Eric Bieniemy, but even a Robert Sala, somebody to come in, build that defense back up with their offensive weapons and move move forward for more than a couple years before Urban Meyer feels sick again. All right. Well, that moves us to number one hire, and we both thought Robert Sala, the hire by the Jets, was a fantastic hire. You talk about another energy guy, a guy who's had really success there two years straight for 49ers defense, and what he's going to bring is energy, uh, leadership again, and he's going to build up that Jets defense to what it used to be under kind of Rex Ryan. Yeah, that 49ers defense is only a couple years removed from being in the Super Bowl, and I think he's going to go in there, and you talk about a culture type of person, he's going to come in build a motivating culture, and he's going to get the best out of his guys. Well, there you go, Jets fans. For the first time, you have something to look forward to. Now we want to break down what we believe are the top 25 free agents currently on the market. Again, like I mentioned, next week we could have a bunch of players cut, um, and this could drastically change. And we'll talk about that. We'll keep you up to date on some of these changes going on in the NFL. But really, we want to start out with, with what we believe is the 25th best free agent that your team could sign coming up here in two weeks. And right now, it's rumored he's probably going to go back to the team that he's currently been on, but he could maybe make a change here late in his career. And that's Patrick Peterson, the cornerback from the Arizona Cardinals at 25. Yeah, I think he's going to stay with the Cardinals just with the addition of J.J. Watt. They're going to bring in a veteran presence. I mean, Patrick Peterson's been one of the top five cornerbacks and at a time probably the best cornerback in the league for a long time. I think he's a future Hall of Famer in my opinion, maybe not a first ballot. But if he doesn't go back to the Cardinals, I see him – you know, maybe on a discount with some teams that are possible playoff teams, something like the Packers moving on, you know, like Charles Woodson did over the Packers, maybe the Saints who are just the one piece away on defense and the Raiders who kind of need to solidify that secondary. And he'd be a good guy coming in teaching those young guys. Yeah, I think any any contender really is going to want Patrick Peterson, the leadership he brings. Obviously, he he's, he's lost a lot uh, um, in these last you know year or two. We've seen the speed kind of uh, kind of collapse a bit on him but still a really really good player i still feel at least for one more year yeah and the amazing thing about him if you read up on patrick peterson is he kind of declined a couple years ago they weren't sure why and he found out he was a diabetic and then you know he got the treatment for that got right again and within the last couple years he's really kind of found a resurgence this last year he got burnt a couple times just losing that speed in terms of being a cornerback but He's still a great number two. And I think ultimately, you know, with the addition of J.J. Watt there, he's probably going to end up taking a little less and probably staying in Arizona. Um, I'll, I'll touch on the next one. that We have 24. We have a guy that maybe not a lot of people have heard of, um, but he's a safety out of the Jets, and that's Marcus May. Now, Marcus May, he made the Jets really not miss Jamal Adams that much. You know, J Marcus May can play in the box a little bit of safety. Otherwise, you'll see him cover on the back end. And Marcus May is one of those players – uh, like a guy that another free agent, John Johnson from the Rams, a guy who really is underrated. You don't hear a lot about him, but you want the, these kind of players on your team. Now, I think he's a guy uh, that Robert Sala is going to want on that team. I don't see him leaving. They're playmakers. Yep. I don't see him leaving New York. I mean, they already lost Jamal Adams. They've got a ton of picks in this draft, but Marcus May, you know, you've got Quinn and Williams on the defensive line and you've got Marcus May on the back end. You know, CJ Mosley finally going to play now for the Jets. Um, you've got some players, at least at each level there on the defense. I think Marcus May will stay uh, right there in New York. Um, 
our 23rd best free agent, one of our first tight ends here that are a free agent. That's John U. Smith. Um, you know, he, he he's there at Tennessee, a guy who really finally had his, his big blow up year after Delaney Walker uh, no longer was the starter. Uh, a guy that I've always been very big on at John U. Smith, definitely a, a yards after the catch and after the, uh, you know, after contact. I'll let you talk about John a little bit. Yeah, within the last couple of years, he's really gone on. I didn't know who he was a couple of years ago. Michael came to me like, this guy's going to be a beast. He's a big guy, catches everything, and 100% right. I don't see him leaving the Titans. I feel like he fits on what they want. He's a good blocker for Derrick Henry. But more than anything, even with A.J. Brown, he's kind of the number one receiving target for Ryan Tannehill. So moving forward with Tannehill there, I don't see John leaving. No, really, I don't. I don't see them benefiting of trying to go out and get a different tight end really i mean you could kind of look at it like last year the falcons moving off of austin hooper you know like it wasn't they didn't make a huge change there it was it was why why get worse at your tight end position if you could retain johnny after a big year yeah and let me say this especially tight ends quarterbacks those type of people with free agents not knowing what the future is going to be in terms of coronavirus there's going to be training camps those types of things especially tight ends are less apt to move. They have good relationships, especially Janu with Tannehill. So why would you go move on to another organization that you have to learn that quarterback? All right. Now, number two, we got Shaq Griffin, Shaquille Griffin from the Seattle Seahawks. You know, Shaq Griffin really out of his rookie year a couple years ago was one of the best young corners, uh, potential corners in the NFL. Um, I think we've seen him kind of regress a little bit just this last year, but I think as a whole, you know, that defense kind of regressed. You know, I think you, he's one of the faster corners. He's got great size. And I think he's still kind of just scratching the surface and a team could really benefit from getting him. I thought a team like the Jaguars could put him with C.J. Henderson. What do you ultimately think Shaq does? I, I like the Jaguars there. I think, like you talked about, it was more of a pass rush issue than it was a coverage issue for him. They're definitely missing that. The other team that I think could try to reach out, depending on what their salary cap is, is the Cowboys. For some reason, they all love Seahawks players. They need some secondary help there. So I thought maybe there, but ultimately I think he ends up with the Seahawks with Pete Carroll. Yeah, I think they can't they can't risk losing a, a, a corner there. I mean, yeah, you just paid uh, Jamal Adams a bunch of money, you know, and you got money in Russell Wilson. But I think you have to retain a talented corner like Shaq when you can. And the biggest thing with him is he's always wanted to play somewhere where his brother plays along with him. The Seahawks drafted his brother, let him play on special teams, released him or brought him back. So I think that really plays a factor in being able to help the family as well. And next we have a player who, I mean, if you can get the best out of him, you're going to get a steal here in free agency. And that's Hunter Henry, tight end from the LA Chargers. Now, a guy who really in his rookie draft, he came out, there wasn't a lot of tight ends. He kind of blew up on the scene. He's been very, very consistent when playing, but that's the key when he plays. He suffered injuries. Now, how? I mean, how much do you pay the guys? The question for the injuries you have. But there are some tight end needy teams out there. What do you think he does? Yeah, Chargers fans are so used to, you know, Antonio Gates being healthy, being out there all the time. Hunter Henry's had some major injuries that have cost him full seasons. Um, He came out not long ago talking, you know, he wants to be with an elite quarterback. I talked to Michael about that. Didn't understand what he wanted. Thought he was moving on. Chargers are still a team. Justin Herbert showed he can be the elite quarterback getting him the ball. We also look at the Jaguars bringing in Trevor Lawrence. It looks like you're going to have a young elite quarterback. The Bengals, Joe Burrow coming back from a knee injury, another elite quarterback. So I think any of those teams are really in the running for Hunter Henry. For me, Hunter Henry is a curious one. I mean, he could go chase money. He could go to New York. But if they're sitting there with maybe a a rookie quarterback that we'll talk about, like maybe Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, something like that, is he going to take the risk where maybe Trevor Lawrence is a little bit more surefire? But I always took his comments of, I want to play with a really good quarterback, as just being like, 
I don't want to go to the Lions. Who doesn't want to play with a good quarterback? Who doesn't want to play with a good quarterback? He's saying that very well could be here in L.A. with the Chargers. I just want to play with a good quarterback. I think what he's saying is he wants two good deals instead of one great deal. He wants to play for a long time, and he wants two good deals with a good quarterback instead of one great with a bad. Now, I think, and we can talk about this later with draft episodes, but the Bengals really would be a great fit because Joe Burrow – was 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 really using that tight end blanket, you know. Early, uh, their 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 original tight end got hurt, and then they went to Drew Sample, and even Drew Sample was seeing a lot of volume. So he was looking good the first yeah. couple games. Of the so season. I think really uh, they could use a guy like Hunter Henry, and then focus O line in the draft to keep him upright. But we'll move on. Here's our top twenty. Now we got to twenty. A guy who is one of my favorite prospects ever in the draft. Was he number six in the draft? At number one point? five. Five in the draft. Corey Davis, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Bust. And really, this last year had a very, very good year. He's going to earn the money he gets, but you have to wonder, is it a contract year that he's just playing into, um, or are you really going to get this year's Corey Davis? Let me run this down for you, and it's like other wide receivers we've talked about. He's not a number one receiver. And we're seeing this with the Titans. Corey Davis turned on when A.J. Brown came and was the number one wide receiver. Do I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver? Not a first-round number five pick. But I think he's going to be a great number two as he grows into knowing what his role is. And I think that could be Washington. Uh, You know, I mean, scary Terry's there, Terry McLaurin. They really have that offense looking, you know, young and in the future. I it's yet to see on what their quarterback's going to be. That's the biggest problem with Washington. Let go of Alex Smith there. I also look at the Packers. I don't think Corey Davis is going to take, you know, less money to maybe play on a team where he's number two to Devontae Adams there. I ultimately think he goes back to the Titans like John who does, try to run everything back there. He's got some familiarity with Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown's there. He know he doesn't have to be the guy, but you see him at times putting up, you know, 150 yards off a couple catches, and it's because he doesn't get double covered as the number one guy. Well, and you have to remember the relationship between Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. Absolutely. There at Tennessee with Corey Davis when Matt LaFleur was offensive coordinator before Arthur Smith. So there's a real connection there. You know, Corey Davis playing whether in the slot or on the outside with, with an MVS, I, I think that'd be a great fit. But I really do think Washington with Terry McLaurin would be really, really good for both those teams. Another team, I don't know, you know, with their with depending what Allen Robinson does, but uh, Chicago, you know, would be another Absolutely. team that potentially could use his services. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, we'll talk about, but there's a lot of wide receivers in this free agency and more that could be cut. Number 19, we have a guy who last year uh, was retained, I think, believe on a franchise tag back to the Minnesota Vikings. But... Really had a breakout year last year. Uh, Anthony Harris, uh, safety, free safety for the Minnesota Vikings now. Again, with all the injuries and how the team kind of played, he didn't show out as much this year as he did last year. Still a very good free safety. Getting into that like you know later 20s era, you know, age. Yeah, he, I mean, he's shown to be a leader in consistency on that defense. Uh, I mean, the secondary core, or the not secondary, but the safety core on that team is so good. But you saw at the beginning of the year when they started to struggle, there was talks, you know, Thielen being traded, all these guys being traded. I think they're in such a salary cap crunch right now that they have to let somebody go like Anthony Harris there. Unfortunately, he may be their most consistent player outside of maybe one or two guys. But I see some a team like maybe the Cowboys reaching out there and seeing if they can kind of get him on a salary-friendly deal, trying to bring him in, bring him in to solidify that secondary there. 
but he's such a good player that he won't be in free agency long. What about the Cleveland Browns? This one just came to me, right? Kevin Stefanski's there. Yep. He had some relationships with them. I know it's offensive coordinator, but their, their they cornerbacks need, are very yep. good there. They're missing the safeties there, and Anthony Harris may be the guy to solidify They need that. a safety there in Cleveland, and instead of addressing that in free agency, instead maybe go defensive line, get a pass rusher or linebacker, you bring in Anthony Harris, who's proven ball hawk. And, and they did guy. just draft Grant Delpit. Was that last year? Yeah. And I don't Injured. know if he plays opposite or not. But either way, Anthony Harris is such a good player. You can put him anywhere on the field, especially, you know, anywhere, free safety, strong safety, and he's going to fly around the field and make plays. Yeah. Now, number 18, we have Aaron Jones, who uh, one of my favorite players in the NFL, uh, running back, you know, Green Bay Packers. Now, I'll let you talk about this, just being a Green Bay guy, whether you think he's going to be retained there in Green Bay with Jamal Williams, who's also a free agent, just didn't make our top 25 and then drafting A.J. Dillon, what do you think Aaron Jones' future in Green Bay looks like? So this is my own personal grief with, you know, running backs. I don't pay him second contracts. It's too much money. You're for, like the Mel Kuyper. Yeah, it's, it's too many – I mean, too many running backs really flame out after their first three, four, five years to really pay him the money. You're not Delvin Cook, even with injuries. You're not Christian McCaffrey. You're not Alvin Kamara. I think he benefits in an offense that has Aaron Rodgers. So teams like maybe the Cardinals, you talk about whom he may be good with, you know, Kyler Murray. But if he goes down to Miami, if he goes down to say, you know, like a Jacksonville, anywhere like that, he's not going to be a guy that carries that team. So to draft a couple wide re or not wide receivers, running backs in the third round to say this upcoming draft, you're going to get the same production. And I feel like if you let him go and keep Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, you're going to match the same production that you would with paying Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, he's a character. He's a great personality. I mean, like, he's a great locker he's room guy. He's a super guy. guy. Um, I just think he's going to benefit most. And I think he's going to have success where he goes. But you need to also have a good, I think, a good old line and a high, um, high tempo offense for him to succeed. He is going to get an Ezekiel Elliott type of deal somewhere. And you see how that is working for the Cowboys right now. Zeke got paid. He's not producing. Could that, be cut. That offensive line has got worse, and they're looking at offloading that contract. Yep. So the Packers looking at the future of Aaron Rodgers may be there only one more year. Do you want to invest into a running back who is going to have to carry that team that is not Derrick Henry? Yep. I mean, you think about it, it's like if he goes to like the New York Jets, for example, who've got some money who need a running back, He could, I think that's a, 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 a chance for him to fail where you don't have a good O-line, you don't have the quarterback stack boxes are going to be on you, but a team like – like we talked about the Cardinals high up tempo offense where you saw Kenyon Drake succeed. That could be more of a success. A team that will sign him and I will bet a lot of money on this. A team that will sign him will be a team that has a quarterback on a rookie contract. If it is not the green Bay Packers, because he will cost so much money and not Delvin cook and Christian McCaffrey money, but so much that they will have to have a rookie. Yeah, deal. And we're, we both love Aaron Jones. It's just oh, the absolutely. idea that he is, well, we would consider your maybe your top of your second tier running backs who is going to demand tier one Alvin Kamara type money. So you just have to kind of you have to look at those contracts and see how they're playing out for the teams. Um, and, you know, and with that, I just wanted to touch on two other running backs just to kind of show you the market here between Najee and Travis Etienne in the draft really is your top guys. Kenny and Drake and Chris Carson are also free agents. So you kind of look at the market and say, would you rather have, you know, I think 26 year old Chris Carson or would you rather have, you know, around 26 year old? Aaron Jones, one might be getting you $6 million saved in, in Chris Carson. Absolutely. So it's something to think about uh, for, for that team. Uh, number 17, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Um, you know, I know he was saying he wants to move on or he wants to stay at the Steelers and retire a Steeler. I just don't think that's going to be in the Steelers' best interest. Where do you kind of see him landing? Yeah, I argued this last year. I mean, he's missing Antonio Brown. He's not a number one. They have so many holes to fill. You look at what happened when they started playing teams by 500. They just re-signed Ben Roethlisberger. Not, in my opinion, a great deal, but they're looking for another bridge quarterback into the future. Look at a team like the Raiders, who's kind of looking you know, for that personality to go with Henry Ruggs, those types of things. They talked about the Packers being number two. He wants too much money for those types of things. My question is if the Cleveland Browns move on from Odell Beckham Jr., who wants to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that feels like a fit for him to sign with. He won't get traded there being a stealer, but I feel like that's a natural signing place for him with Landry. Yeah. I kind of got this feeling that you might have a potential Buffalo Bills trade for OBJ. They saw it work with Stefan Diggs, a guy who kind of had some character, you know, some attitude there in Minnesota, but the talent was undeniable. They took a risk and it's really paid off. You go out there, you know, John Brown's getting old. You get OBJ. Again, I think that opens up that spot that Juju in Cleveland as a free agent would work. I also think the Raiders are a great pick. You got Henry Ruggs, you got Darren Waller. He's really third fiddle at that point um, after even Josh Jacobs. So I think he could really have a good a good uh, chance at succeeding there in uh, uh, Las Vegas as well. Uh, we're going to move on to a guy just won a Super Bowl, was franchise tag last year, and that's Shaquille Shaq Barrett. You know, edge rusher who led the NFL in sacks last year was was franchise tagged or the year before. Then last last year played well again. But he just said, I want my money. Yeah. Like he's moved, he wants to get paid. And, and it'll be really quick on how I explain this is the Colts want people that are high energy every single play. And Barrett is a guy who busts his ass his whole career every play and does it. So I think if he leaves the Buccaneers, the team that best fits with, you know, the veteran leadership and young guys and want that energy and he brings it. Yeah, Colts, I think is a good pick. I only worry a bit with Shaq Barrett with a guy who says, I've won. Now I want my money is that once he gets it, he could take a back seat. But I think he has people like Darius Leonard around him, Quentin Nelson in the locker room to really get the most out of him. Now we're going to move to number 15. That's one of my favorite players, Yannick Ngakwe, who we saw force a move out of Jacksonville to the Vikings, ultimately to the Ravens, all in within one year, and really didn't get to really solidify himself in the Ravens, now finds himself a free agent. Yeah, I think he signs a one-year deal there. The reason is he left Jacksonville to go to Minnesota to win. That didn't work. Immediately got out of there, went to the Ravens. The Ravens organization's kind of falling apart right now. You know, their offense isn't really clicking. The defense is really good. But if they if the coaching staff falls apart there, then I think maybe he wants out again and maybe searching for another super or for a Super Bowl. So I think it's a one year deal back with the Ravens. Yeah, we're talking about still one of the best edge rushers at 24 years old and a guy who they were transitioning him from a, a hand in the dirt four three end to a three four linebacker. A team that the, the Ravens already need more linebacker help on the outside. They're transitioning to that position. I think that's why he goes back there is because he's just scratching the surface. Yeah, again. and I think he's going to take the same path as the next guy we have, Jadavian Clowney, who signed a one-year deal with the Titans this last year, really trying to, you know, I'm going to get this money right now, and then I'm going to explore the market. I think Ngakwe is going to be the same thing. Can I have a big year with a really good defense? Jadavian Clowney. I don't think re-signs with the Titans this year. I think they're going to try to revamp that. He didn't have the sack production, which he never really has, that they were hoping he would. I think he stays within the same division, and I think he goes to the Jaguars. The Jaguars are looking you know, for a solid defense 
they're just trying to rebuild things since Jalen Ramsey left. All these guys are moving on in Gakwe, like you say. So I think he comes in. He's kind of that run stopper for that defense. Yeah, for me, it's it's hard to say. I You have one of the most talented athletic players in Jadavion Clowney who just hasn't been producing. I mean, even as a, 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 pro, a prolific run stopper, we, have, we didn't see that last year. I think a team like the Browns who had interest in him previously, he could go there. Um I think a team like the Colts could have interest in him again at pass rush if they don't get a guy like Barrett. Um, looking at he kind of what Jabal Sheard was for them a couple years ago, so it'll be interesting to see if he can revamp his career. Otherwise, we might have to label start labeling him as kind of a burnout that that never really panned out to being the top pick that he was, even though he had early success. Now we're still going to start to get into the big uglies, the offensive linemen. There's a lot in this free agency pool that if your team is an offensive needy team, offensive line needy team and you have money, this is the year to, to, to cash in. Number 13, I have Corey Lindsley, the center for the Packers. Big reason he makes top 15 on our list, he was an all-pro center this year, graded out as one of the best, if not the best center in football. Yeah, uh, they're loving Elton Jenkins. I mean, he's he's the future of what the center is probably going to be. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you keep Lindsley over Aaron Jones. You're looking for that protection. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was on his feet more this year than he ever has been in his career. So I think ultimately he will take the linemen and make everything else work compared to that. But other teams, Michael, can you throw a couple out? Well, I think the Bengals make perfect sense. I think if you go with the route of, of trying to address O-line in the offseason, it might let you go get pass catchers in the draft like Jamar Chase or, or maybe a Kyle Pitts. But you need to protect Joe Burrow. He might be the best young quarterback in football. You have to protect him after the injury that he had. And I think you start with the interior there. You let Jonah Williams play on the other side and then maybe you draft a guy like Penny Sewell, who we'll talk about in upcoming episodes. I just, I, I'm with you, you know, as much as it would suck to lose Aaron Jones at the Packers, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon, Corey Lindsay at the center. You had Robert Tunyon, you know, break out last year. I think you need to keep that O line and, and, and try to keep Rogers upright. And ultimately you lost against the team against the team that won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, do you tear apart a team because you lost against a team that won the Super Bowl? I mean, how do you move forward from there? Yeah. All right. Now, another offensive lineman. We got a guard from the Patriots and Joe Thune. Now, interestingly, they they thought about trading Thune last year, uh, but they said they decided to hold on to it. Well, then they draft a great offensive lineman in the, like the fifth round um, this year to play guard. And how they're like, we don't really need Joe Thune. So, they should have cashed in last year. But I think, again, we talked about the needy team like the Bengals or maybe the Jaguars. But I think the Miami Dolphins, you know, they have the money. I think, you know, he was a future he was a former Patriot, excuse me, goes to with Brian Flores, who he would have known from his time with the Patriots, and they just try to help keep whether it's Tua or maybe Deshaun Watson upright. Um, and another one, we're going to go another interior offensive lineman, Brandon Sheriff, who's been one of the best in the league for the last six years or so from the Washington football team. Now, personally, I don't think they can afford to lose Brandon Sheriff. Um, I think if they're going to have any success on that team, whether running with Gibson or passing with insert here quarterback, um, I think they have to keep him. I think you're going to see though teams, uh, the Giants, maybe the uh, the Bengals, the Jags, Jets, really going hard for Brandon Sheriff. But I think ultimately he'll resign if not franchise tagged. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. Um, I I ultimately think they end up drafting wide receiver to let Alex Smith go. And to have a young quarterback in the league to be successful, you got to have an efficient offense. When you line. lost Trent Williams last year, you traded away Trent Williams last year. They can't be losing more all pro type players. And number 10, starting our top 10, we have Leonard Williams, the former Jet, now Giant. 
is going to be testing the waters. Yeah, there's, I mean, nothing more to be said about him. He, he's such a beast in the right situation, and you saw it finally burst this year for him, and it's with the Giants. I don't see how he moves on after having a career year. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk much more on it. We saw a guy have his best year under Joe Judge on that team. I think he stays. Number nine, a guy you might not be super familiar with, but Taylor Moten, Panthers tackle. Um, again, success on teams dictated by quarterback, tackles, and pass rushers. So Taylor Mountain to that team, it, it's almost invaluable what he can bring. Um, when you, Whether you pay a guy you have that's under 28 years old or you go out and try to find one, this though could come at the expense of a guy who really didn't make our top 25, but Curtis Samuel, who really just had his one big blow-up year. Uh, but to me, I'm, I'm, you got DJ Moore, you got Robbie Anderson. I'm going to bring Taylor Mountain in at the expense of Curtis Samuel. And I think for you and I, we've talked – Curtis Samuel could be a big addition to a team this offseason. Absolutely. Whether it's kind of doing that that, that sweep back role, you know, H-back, or whether he's playing in the slot. I think a team like Washington with his former coach and Ron Rivera or in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, his former college coach, he could thrive um, in that system. Here we have another Super Bowl winner, Levante David, a guy who most of his career had been pretty underrated, kind of the Chandler Jones of the linebacker position. Levante David, do you think he's going to test the waters after winning a Super Bowl or stay with the team that really has uh, has, has served with him for, for years? Yeah, I think that linebacking core is so good, and he's been there so long that he's comfortable with the Bucks. I think he takes that discount and saying, you know what, there's a chance in one or two more years that we're going to win another Super Bowl. Stays with that linebacking core. I don't see him leaving the Bucks. Well, and really, Devin White really makes his job a lot easier, too. He's got a, a good friend there with him and somebody that, you know, they, can, they have one of the best linebacker tandems with a great – the defensive coordinator and Todd Bowles. Now we're moving on now to number seven. It's Justin Simmons safety from the Broncos franchise tag last year after grading out as one of the top strong safeties in football, free safeties in football, big guy, you know, six, two, uh, as a safety, he, he can come up, he can hit, he can catch in the back end. Somebody you don't find much in the NFL. I think Broncos, they need to double down here. You don't pay the guy what you paid him last year on a franchise tag to then let him go. So I think you will see him back at the Denver Broncos. Uh, Moving on to another wide receivers, you're going to see this as a trend in this class. There's good wide receivers here. Will Fuller comes in at number six for us. What do you think Will Fuller does now with the Texans in such flux? And I believe he's serving a suspension. Yeah, coming off the suspension, I mean, his value definitely went down. There's trade value in him with the Packers there, you know, at the trade deadline, the Giants, other teams. I think those are the only two teams outside the Texans, which he won't want to stay in, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. I think he goes and be a number or and goes and to be a number two with the Packers or maybe try to be a number one with the Giants. Yeah, I think Giants will be looking. You know, we can talk about some of these top guys here, but they're going to look for somebody. They cut Golden Tate. They need somebody where they, uh, you know, with Sterling Sterling Shepard, uh, with Darius Slayton. They need a real guy to come out there and can stretch the field uh, and can really open it up for Daniel Jones and Quan Barkley. Number five, one of my favorite wide receivers in football, Mini Megatron himself. Kenny Galladay. Now, a guy who I really thought was going to blow up, like just blow up this year, be, be one of the top receivers in football, and he barely got on the field with the injuries he was suffering throughout the year. What do you think Kenny Galladay's future looks like uh, with free agency? Yeah, he was a beast with the Lions, obviously moving on now. I think he could go to the Redskins, or not the Redskins, now Washington football team, and be with Tor or Terry McLaurin there and really bring that offense to what it should be. I know you talked about a team here that taking a discount and be with the Rams, trying to win a Super Bowl, going back with Matthew Stafford, trying to run it back and what they were missing. Yeah, to me, I think you're going to have some curious cases where players maybe coming off an injury year, 
like Kenny Gallard is a perfect example where his value, he didn't take his value took a hit by being injured last year, even though he's still so young, 27 years, 27 years old, I believe. Why not go take a one year deal with a guy you're familiar with? Maybe go get seven and a half million guaranteed instead of that, like, you know, 12 and a half to 14 and then have that big year where then you can say, okay, now I'm going to go get my money. Um, and I think Kenny Galladay, he had got an important decision to make because you could go to the, a team like the Jets and, and really struggle. Uh, number four, we have Trent Williams, left tackle uh, for the 49ers. What do you think Trent Williams is going to do after the trade to the 49ers? Yeah, I think he'll go back to the 49ers. He he wanted so bad out of Washington, and the 49ers were kind of that team he wanted to go to. I think he likes being with Kyle Shanahan so much that, I mean, there's really no future option for him there where he's always been a culture type of guy, want to be a part of a team and those types of things. So I definitely don't see him leaving Washington. Or uh, 49ers. Yeah, I think with J.J. Watt now in that division, it's it's too hard to see him leaving the 49ers, so I think they'll bring him back. Now, number three, we have one of the best and most underrated wide receivers in football, Allen Robinson from the Bears. What do you think Allen Robinson does here in the free agency? Yeah, the Bears haven't had any contact with him, you know, on a contract extension. doesn't seem like they really want him back. I think he could go to the Colts where he's definitely – the big type of guy that Carson Wentz is going to want to or going to want moving over there. I also see him going back to the Jaguars where he was before. Why not go with an elite type of quarterback coming in, a young guy that's really going to elevate your career? We're going to move on to number two. We kind of have two of them here. First, we'll go with Von Miller. We don't know if he's going to be leaving the Broncos. Had an injury, had some offseason issues here, but I think he's going to end up with the Broncos, in my opinion, staying there. But there's teams like the Browns out there that could really use his services, bringing in the veteran leadership. The Raiders, they like those types of guys. The Jaguars, looking, you know, let's bring a veteran guy in, get these rookies going and move forward. Yeah, I think, you know, Von Miller most likely will stay there. But we saw in the news some of these things with domestic violence. And we just don't know how these are going to play out. So I think unless they exercise the rights on Von Miller, he can enter the free agency pool. And we could very well see him moving teams. Quickly on the Allen Robinson thing, you know, he didn't have anything bad against the Jaguars. He just hated Blake Bortles. So he very well could go back to a team that took a risk on him early um, and, and go back there and, and run it back. But our number two, the other number, number two player we had was Chris Godwin. You know, just won a Super Bowl, one of the best slot receivers in football, still at a great age, uh, really there, has a chance here to, to improve his career even more. Yeah, and there's only two teams I think he goes, he either goes to the Jets and takes the money, or he gets franchise take, or takes a discount and stays with the Bucks. Either tries to win the Super Bowl, take the money. There's no in between. Yeah, and last, it's easy to talk about, but it's Dak Prescott. I mean, he's he's he, quarterbacks were so valuable in the NFL as we know. There's only really one place I see that happening. It's franchise take back to the Dallas Cowboys. I, I know the rumor out there right now is that Dak Prescott wants Patrick Mahomes type money again after this injury. And I mean, I think if he would have played a complete season at the pace he was with the yards he was putting up and the touchdowns, he probably would find himself as the second highest paid quarterback in NFL history. But I think with the injury, there's 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 skepticism of of whether or not he should be he should move teams right now with that injury. And I think Dallas is the best spot for him to just come back, show he's healthy. And I really think the Cowboys owe it to him as, at this point. And, and Dak's never shown he's an elite quarterback, in my opinion, compared to like, you know, those Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilsons. He can't do that. Everything's been perfect for him. They had the best offensive line when he first came to the league. He had Ezekiel Elliott, one of the top three running backs at the time. 
And this year, especially, he has three great wide receivers that any quarterback would be happy to go play with. And he still can't get over that hump. I don't care if he throws for 500 yards and three touchdowns. When you're not winning games, you're not winning games. A.K.A. Jameis Winston. I do think Dak's incredibly talented. I really, even as an Eagles fan, love Dak Prescott. He's and an hope, amazing guy. And hope he returns, you know, because I, I, it's not the same beating Cowboys without Dak. So ultimately, I mean, we could just talk in later episodes about how with quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson available or Russell Wilson for trade, it's just hard to see Dak Prescott moving right now in the market because I think really quarterback needy teams are going to go after those more proven Winners in Russell Wilson into Sean Watson, even though it may cost a little bit more. Why pay him Patrick Mahomes money when you can draft a quarterback at a rookie salary? Absolutely. It just I, Again, you could get Russell Wilson cheaper than Dak Prescott, although it might cost three first-round picks. If you're a team that's that close you know, to winning or potentially in that case, like the Saints, for example, why would you take the risk on, on Dak Prescott at that point? But ultimately, that's that's where, we, that's where we're at with the free agency. You know, we've, It's coming up now. Um, I think, believe like I said, March 15th, uh, look out for, for these players being cut next week. It's going to happen, you know, to people to, to shed some of that cap. Uh, so, so watch out with, with that, uh, stay, stay up to date with our Facebook page as we try to get more content out, keep more news out there for everybody. Yeah. Sorry for being gone. Life happens. I mean, yeah, it, it was just a busy, busy winter like everybody else. Yep. And so we want to be back, you know, the off season at the time where we really love to sit down, Rob and I have a few beers and just talk football. So as long as we're doing it, we'll be doing it for you guys. Um, and, and and as the draft gets closer, we're going to come out with mock drafts. We'll post them online. We'll talk about them on here. Our Most of our future episodes are going to be a little bit more draft related. And then as that wraps up, we'll start talking about division standings. And we'll talk about the upcoming NFL season. Again, we'd like to have guests on the podcast. So reach out if you'd like to be on. Tell us what you'd like to talk about. And we'll talk about different topics. So until the next episode, as always, keep it sleazy. And we're out.